You know the most well-known passage in the Bible, I believe, is Psalm 23. It begins with, the Lord is my shepherd. We're beginning a series on that psalm today. That psalm is quoted by more people than any other. It's known by a variety of religious traditions as well. It's important to Jewish congregations. It's incredibly important to Christian congregations. It's a song that just bridges a lot of gaps. Whenever you have a psalm like that, that people know by heart and say over and over again, there's a reason for it. Well, really, there's multiple reasons for it. Repetition is part of it. Every time you read it or say it or hear it, you feel or you see something else. So for that reason, for the next six weeks, when I speak, we're going to begin by reading the 23rd Psalm together. But here's something else. Each week, we're going to read it in a different version, like putting on a different set of spectacles. You're going to hear words that you didn't hear last week when we get to it next week. You're going to get insights through translations that you don't get when you read just one version of the Bible. But every Sunday, we begin like this, together. This one is the one most people know. It's the one you might have learned in Sunday school. It's the King James Version. So let's read the Lord's Prayer together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. My head with oil, my cup over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may not have noticed a dramatic juxtaposition, contrast in the first phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. Why do I say it's a contrast? The English translation Lord is the same one that is repeatedly used in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses encounters the presence of God at the burning bush. When God tells him, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. And when Moses, quaking with fear, says, I'm not the guy, Lord. I can't speak. As a matter of fact, I'm terrified with this job you've given me to bring the people out of Egypt. How are they going to respect me? And furthermore, God, who should I say sent me? And God said, you tell them, I am that I am has sent you. I am 
the one who is immutable. I am the one who is absolutely self-sufficient. I don't need you, Moses. I don't need the people. As a matter of fact, Moses, I need nothing. The one who is inexhaustible in power, the I am that I am has sent you. The one who is absolutely eternal, who does not change, who is always there and always has been there and always will be there. The I am that I am sent you, Moses. So David takes that characteristic of God. I am that I am Lord of the universe, sovereign God is my shepherd. Oh, the contrast. you got to understand what a shepherd was. A shepherd was the lowliest. It's the person who by virtue of position had been placed at the very bottom of the social ladder. You may remember in uh, the story of Jacob and his sons and and Joseph and coming to Egypt. When Joseph was able to bring his brothers and his father Jacob to Egypt to spare them from starvation, the Egyptians welcomed them, but they said, we want you to go over to a place called Goshen and live there. Why? Among other things, because it's disgraceful for us to associate with shepherds. We don't eat with them. We don't socialize with them. Somebody needs to do it, just not us. In terms of the pecking order in a family, if you were the last child in line, you'd be the shepherd for the sheep. And you would hope that another brother was coming along pretty soon because you'd be relieved of your duty and the youngest child would do it. As a matter of fact, back to Moses. You remember when Moses encountered Some women who were shepherds, they were being harassed by men shepherds and Moses stepped in and rescued them and eventually met their father Jethro. You know why it's probably true that they were the shepherds? Because they were women on the lower social order, given the responsibility to take care of the sheep because Jethro had some sons. The Lord, the I am that I am, the inexhaustibly powerful one, the one who's eternal, immutable, divine, perfect, that Lord is my shepherd. Can you think of anything that is a better illustration of the incarnation of Christ than that? The Lord of the universe becomes a man. He walks where we walk. He suffered what we suffered. He cried out in pain the way we cried out. And then he died a horrible death. The Lord, the I am that I am, became our shepherd. Remarkable contrast of themes. But David brings them together. He doesn't allow 
the lowliness of a shepherd? To eclipse the reality that the I am that I am is a good shepherd. He doesn't allow bad shepherds, and there were plenty of them, to mar the image of the good shepherd, namely God. He uses an image that they knew full well. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord who has no needs and the shepherd who has needs. The Lord who is not dependent on anything and the shepherd who's dependent on the weather, who's dependent on the rain, who is susceptible to attack from outside his flock. The Lord is my shepherd. He doesn't allow the lowly loneliness of a shepherd to eclipse the glory of God. He brings them together. That's what Christ always does. What are the characteristics of a shepherd that the reader or the one who first sung this song would have known well? A person who heard these words for the first time and when Jesus likened himself to the good shepherd would have understood a few things that shepherds, they know their sheep by name. As a matter of fact, Jesus used that image in John chapter 10 when he spoke of himself as a good shepherd. I know them by name, he said. I, I read a lot of illustrations about shepherds this week and um, there were, there were many of them, and they were all fascinating, but one thing was consistent about this theme right here. The shepherd has a voice, and he has a call, and the lambs, the sheep, know his call, and they only come to him. Uh, one description was given of a person who was a tourist in Israel many years ago, and there were two flocks and two shepherds, and both of them brought their sheep into a cave area for protection for the night. And at the end of the night, the shepherds came out of the entrance of the cave, and one went to the right and the other went to the left. And one of them called out in a kind of warbly, yodeling sound, a call that his sheep would recognize. And one by one, his sheep filed out of the cave and walked to him. The next shepherd did his own call, and the sheep of the cave came out and walked towards him. I read another story about a shepherd who was with a person who was trying to understand shepherdhood. And as he traveled with him, he watched this activity of the knowing them by name and calling their name and, and the voice and the familiarity. And he said to the shepherd finally, look, I'm pretty good at imitating things as a matter of fact. I can imitate almost anybody. I don't know, he must have been a kind of a rich little guy, you know. Um, None of you know who Rich Little is. Anyway, he used to be a famous imitator. Uh, he, he was that kind of person. He said, I, I, can, I can mimic your call. Just let me do it. So the guy stands a little way from the sheep, and he mimics the call of the shepherd. And the sheep look at him, and they go back to eating. And it was a pretty good mimic. And he said to the shepherd, okay, wait a minute. It's not just the call. It's the clothing, too. Here, let's swap clothes. I'll take yours. You take mine. He put on the shepherd's clothes that he called again, and they just looked at him and went back to eating. The shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep know the shepherd. 
That's a characteristic of the shepherd, and it's one that Jesus describes in John chapter 10. Another characteristic of the shepherd is that he provides for his sheep. In this particular era, sheep were not among um, a lush green pasture that was surrounded by a fence. They were always on the move. The shepherd was always looking for the next pasture. He was always looking for the green spot on the hill. It was his responsibility to provide for his sheep. They couldn't do it on their own. Psalm 23, we'll talk about it next week. My good shepherd, he leads me to green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The shepherd was also the person who protected the sheep. The predator for sheep is just about anything. They can't defend themselves against just about anything. The shepherd is always the protector of his sheep. Every shepherd had at least four instruments, some more. One he had was a a rod, which was a long hook, or almost looked like a cane with a hook on the end of it. And he would use it primarily to reach out and grab a sheep and pull it back from a precipice or a dangerous spot. Thy rod and thy staff, this, this rod he had was basically a club, maybe about that long, and a lot of times embedded in the club were very sharp objects to beat away a predator. Think of David, right? David, when he went and tried to appeal to King Saul to let him fight Goliath. He said, look, I've beaten away a bear and a lion. The rod, he did it. They also had a sling. Almost every one of them had a sling and rocks and a pouch. And they could drop a rock with incredible velocity anywhere they wanted within a hair's breadth of the target. They could injure a predator or kill it. Or, on any number of occasions, they would throw a rock right in front of a sheep who was wandering in the wrong direction to frighten him to come back to the shepherd. There are a lot of stories of shepherds who died defending their sheep. Think of Jesus. The good shepherd, he lays down his life for his sheep. If that's the characteristic of uh, shepherds, what about the sheep? Oh, they're fun. It's their nature to wander. Just what they do. They keep their head down. They look up enough to be distracted. They're always looking for other pastures. Something that's greener. Something that's better. And frequently... If the shepherd's not with them and watching them, it's something that's more dangerous. Characteristic of sheep, they just, they wander. Another characteristic of sheep is that they are not in any way self-sufficient. Not at all. Well, they're just, frankly, dumb. They're really dumb animals. And they don't know what to do themselves. They've got no instincts against predators. They don't know how to defend themselves. They're absolutely dependent upon the shepherd. 
You know, when I think of sheep, I think of us. Rightly so, because Jesus says, you're part of my flock. I'm your good shepherd. And when I think of me, I think of someone who has a tendency to wander. I think of someone who's always looking for greener pastures. Frequently, it hurts me. It's not in my best interest. I realize that even though I think I'm self-sufficient, I'm just that much smarter than a sheep to think I'm self-sufficient. I'm not. And I realize in my more sober moments that God supplies all my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I don't supply all my needs. There's something else I know about myself as a sheep. Not so characteristic about the woolly sheep, but characteristic of the human sheep. I worry about things. Why? Because I think I'm self-sufficient. I think I ought to be able to do it myself. And Matthew chapter 6, it was read just a few moments ago, reminds me that the birds of the air are fed by God, and I should worry just about as much as they do. Do you notice the birds of the air are always busy? They're not stashing away in barns, but they're always busy. God didn't say stop working, stop being productive. He said, I want you to be like the birds of the field that are always busy, but flitting around. And what do birds primarily do? Sing. They get their food and they sing. Don't worry, says God, in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm going to take care of you. I have some takeaways for us when it comes to this passage on the Good Shepherd. The first takeaway is this. There it is. God as sovereign. That's automatic. Here's what I mean. God is the all-sufficient one, the creator the sovereign Lord of the universe, the I am that I am. That is God. Whether you believe it or not, it makes no difference. That is God. Whether you believe in God or not, it makes no difference. That is God. Whether or not you trust in that God, it makes no difference. That is God. God is sovereign, is automatic. The second point flows from that. God as shepherd, that's a choice. You don't make the choice for God to be sovereign. You make the choice to stand under His sovereignty and call Him your good shepherd that's your job. God is not going to force you to call Him your shepherd. God is not going to force you to rely on Him. God is not going to force you to have a perspective on life that realizes that He is life abundant and free. He won't force that. But He will invite you and He will lead you if you allow Him 
You've got to make the choice for him to be your shepherd. Have you? If you haven't, would you please talk to me after the service? Josiah's going to be up here to talk to people and pray with them. I love to talk to you. Because you have no idea. You might think you do, but you have no idea what true life is. Unless you've received the sovereign Lord as your shepherd. The third thing, God offers abundant life. You know what we usually do when we talk about abundant life? We race ahead to the notion of eternal life, and it's true. We inherit it here, and we get it in the life to come. But let's assume that for a minute, okay? We all know that one. Let's remember this. Abundant life comes in this life when we trust Christ. Abundant life begins to emerge when we realize that God is our good shepherd and that God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. That's when abundant life emerges. And you know where it emerges? It emerges from the stuff of daily living. When I surrender to God as my shepherd, my whole worldview is reoriented. Everything that was there yesterday is seen differently. Have you ever been a part of a nature guide? I mean somebody who's an expert who's guiding you through nature. I remember the first time I really experienced it. It was a class I had in college called Environmental Something and Natural Resources. I don't remember the title of it. But what I do remember as a professor, he's one of the greatest professors I ever had. And on one occasion, he took all of us college students to the Everglades. That was class. I'd lived in South Florida all my life. In walking with him, things emerged from the landscape that had always been there that I'd never seen. Just a few years ago, my family and I took a vacation, and part of our vacation was Sedona, California, uh, Sedona, Arizona. It's a desert. Got great pretty rocks, but it's a desert. There's not much there. I mean, I live in southern Indiana with all the hills and all the noises and all the birds and all the, and there's nothing out there until, until I listened to the guide. And he began to point out really critical plants and vegetation that I completely overlooked. It might sound a little dramatic, but in those moments, life began to emerge from the ground, a barren ground that I'd never seen before. You see, when the Lord becomes your Shepherd, abundant life begins to emerge from the circumstances, things around you that you never saw before, you see in a new light. You know this, don't you? Those of you who are parents, I know a lot of you aren't, but I was and am. You're raising your child, and as you're raising your child, they're going through some kind of trauma, through some kind of pain, through some kind of disaster in their minds, and you're looking at it, and you're saying, 
I know what's going on here. You can't see it, but I see you growing up and being shaped in the middle of this. I can see it. You can't. Just trust me. That's what God says. I want you to surrender yourself to me. Allow me to be your good shepherd. And abundant life is going to emerge in the middle of your circumstances because I know the beginning and I know the end. I am the all-sufficient one who needs nothing. I am the eternal one who knows all reality. And when I watch you walk through whatever it is you're walking through, I can see gold being refined before my eyes. Trust me. The final thing I want to mention is this. None of that can happen unless you surrender. Remember the first phrase of the, of the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I don't have any needs. The Lord is my shepherd, he supplies all my needs. The Lord is my shepherd, Put your own words in there. The only way, my friends, that can ever be true is when I surrender to the Lord. When I believe that in the midst of my life, whatever is going on, the Lord is my shepherd and I have everything that I need. When I surrender to that reality by faith, then, then and only then do I have real life. So yesterday, my wife gets these news feeds from somewhere, fascinating little tidbits of information, and she told me, she said, you know what, I just um, saw my news feed. Two people, she named them, I won't. I'm just trying to be a gentle shepherd here, not call people out. Uh, Two people really famous and rich that you would know immediately uh, were in the news feed. One an actor and one a very famous professional athlete. And the story was this. They were on a, vaca- on a vacation with their family along the Amalfi Coast of Italy. If you've never been along that coastline, put it on your bucket list because it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. I've been there and it's breathtaking. They're on the Amalfi Coast in a boat and off. You know how much The trip is costing them per family $700,000 per week. $700,000 per week. So she tells me this and immediately I go to judgment. What could have been done with all that money? You you would have done it too, right? That's the first thing you're thinking. And then? I couldn't believe it. Something remarkable happened. These words just flooded over me. I didn't say them out loud. 
but I tell you, they were there. The words were these. I wouldn't trade places with them for a moment because I have everything I need. Now look, my friends, that was not always my reaction when I heard things like that. I've wanted to be them. It won't always be my reaction in the future when I hear something like that. I may want to be them. But in that moment, a miracle happened by the grace of God. Somehow, maybe because I'm studying the 23rd Psalm all week. Somehow, the Spirit of God gave me absolute peace that transcended any kind of understanding that I had. And I just felt absolutely full. I thought, I don't need anything. There's only one way to experience that reality. It's to surrender to the Good Shepherd. And to say to the Good Shepherd, I know, Good Shepherd. Right now it doesn't feel like you're providing my needs, but I believe it. Right now I want more, but make me satisfied. Right now, good shepherd, I'm going to repeat back to you what I know to be true, even though it doesn't seem like it's true. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because it's true. So what kind of sheep are you? Um, a dumb one? Check. A wandering one? That's been me. An unsatisfied one on any given day. A restless one more than I care to admit. A rebellious one, I'm ashamed to say yes. But there are times, because I've made the decision and I've surrendered to God as my shepherd, that I get his wisdom, and I get his peace, and I know I can trust. I want to read something, okay? Just hang with me a second. Small little essay about sheep and shepherds. The author says, when I see a flock of sheep, I see exactly that, a flock, a rabble of wool, a herd of hooves. I don't see a sheep, I see sheep. All alike, none different, that's what I see, but not with the shepherd. To him, every sheep is different, every face is special, every face has a story, and every sheep has a name. The one with the sad eyes, that's droopy. The one with the ears, one up and one down, I call him Oscar. Small one with black patch. His leg. He's an orphan with no brothers. I, I call him Joseph. The shepherd knows his sheep. He calls them by name. When we see a crowd, we see exactly that, a crowd. Filling a stadium or flooding a mall. When we see a crowd, we see people, not persons, but people. A herd of humans, a flock of faces. That's what we see, but not with the shepherd. To him, every face is different. Every face has a story. Every face is a child. Every child has a name. The one with the sad eyes, that's Sally. The one 
who's the old fellow. One eyebrow up and, and the other down. His name's Harry. The one with the limp, he's an orphan. He has no brothers. I call him Joey. The shepherd knows his sheep. He knows each one by name. And the shepherd, he knows you. He knows your name. And he'll never forget it. As a matter of fact, it's written on his hand. Take a look. Isaiah 49, 16. Quite a thought, isn't it? Your name on God's hand? Your name on God's lips? Maybe you've seen your name in some special places on an award or a diploma or a walnut door. Or maybe you've heard your name used by some important people, a coach, a celebrity, a teacher. But think about this. Your name is on God's hands and on God's lips. Mike, could that really be? Or perhaps you've never seen your name honored. You can't remember when you heard it spoken last with kindness. If so... It may be a little more difficult for you to believe that God knows your name, but he does. Written on his hand, spoken with his mouth, whispered by his lips, your name. And not only the name you have, but a name he has in store for you. A new name he will give you. Great Almighty Shepherd, we thank you that that is true. We thank you that the God of the universe condescended to become one of us. We thank you that in the person of Christ, you who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We thank you that you communicate to us in terms we can understand with imperfect language and, well, images that sometimes don't work for us because we've experienced the opposite. Some of us have experienced horrible fathers, but you are God, our Heavenly Father. Some of us have experienced abusive siblings, but Jesus Christ is our elder brother. But Lord, none of us have an analog, a, a parallel to the I am that I am. That's way beyond any image. But by the grace dispensed to us in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, the I am that I am, became one of us. Walked where we walked, suffered where we suffered, died like we will die, and was raised again just as we will be raised. Thank you, Lord, for being our good shepherd, for laying down your life for this, your sheep. Help us to remember that Help us stay in the flock and be the Lord of our life.
as we surrender daily to you. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.